Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown, joined as always by our fearless leader at Horns 24 7, the managing editor, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? Chip, I'm doing um, I'm doing all right. We're uh, recording a little bit later than normal because we had some technical difficulties, but at least we figured that out, at least for the time being. So feel a little bit of a sigh of relief because of that, but I'm doing well. How about you? Hey, chopping wood with a butter knife as always. So listen, you know, come on. I mean, that is, that's where I live right there. Chopping wood with a butter knife. But I was thinking about it the other day and Taylor, I'm, I'm, I just dare somebody to challenge me on this, that the preseason offensive MVP for the Texas Longhorns is Bijan Robinson. And the preseason defensive MVP is Alfred Collins. Okay. Two sophomores Mm -hmm. just doing their thing. Five stars, by the way. Um, But my goodness, after what we saw from Bijan Robinson at the end of last season and what we saw from Alfred Collins in his first start in the Alamo Bowl, am I wrong here? I don't, I think you're absolutely dead on when it comes to um, Bijan Robinson being the preseason MVP on offense. I mean, you know, when he actually was able to carry the ball, you know, and not put on a pitch count because of God knows whatever reason, uh, whatever reason. Yeah. Then, you know, everybody saw what, what he was capable of doing. I think that would be, I think Alfred Collins absolutely could be the one like at the end of the year, we're going to be talking about how he had to break out sophomore season um, kind of reminds me a little bit of Joseph Osai. His what I think his first start was in the sugar bowl against Georgia. At least one of his first starts was, and, you know, had like a big coming out party, but you know, I mean, I think it's a little bit difficult not to at least look at Juwan Mitchell. You know, I thought that he started get playing better as the season progressed last year. Um, so for, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess it depends on what, how you perceive the preseason. Are we basing it off of the potential solely, or are we basing it off of what they've proven and then, then filling a bigger role? Well, I think both. Like, I think his potential, like if we're talking about Alfred Collins, what he did in his first start in his first quarter of his first start, he had the tackle for loss. He had the tipped pass on third down. He had the interception where he sniffed out the screen and was being held and fell backwards and made the interception. I, and look, maybe I'm a little overcooking the grits here, but I just, the guy is, a, a, a manimal, you know, I mean, he's six, six, five, six, six, he's two seventy. He moves like a, like a nine technique, a seven technique. And yet he plays the defensive tackle position. He's so explosive. He uses his hands. Well, I mean, I just feel like the guy is, he's a guy you can move around. You know, you could you could line him up at defensive end. You could line him up at defensive tackle. You line him up at linebacker. This guy's going to find his way to the football. And I think it's just a matter of time before we see, um, you know, Pete Kwiatkowski put Alfred Collins in position to make plays because 
he has one start in his arsenal and he did all of that in the first quarter. Right. And help set the tone. I just feel like this guy's going to get better and better and better. He's the one. Okay. Joseph Osai. Great. Probably going to be a second round pick in the NFL draft motor for days. Great stuff. We saw he took over the Oklahoma state game when they needed him to, and Texas won that game. Alfred Collins is a guy. I think if they put him in the right position, He's going to dominate and be an all big 12 player. I mean, they, like I said, they could play him at, at the nine technique wide nine. They could play him at the seven technique as a defensive end, play him at, you know, the three technique as a defensive tackle. This is a guy you need to move around and make the offense panic. Where is he? Where's 95? Where's 95? Where's 95? Cause I just think that with that skill set, those physical tools, He's a monster and he's going to be the guy that, you know, the whole defense is going to rally around to me. Yeah. Now, what do I know? I mean, Bo Davis coached Alabama. He's coaching the NFL. Great defensive line coach coached at Texas back, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Steve Sarkeesian has been with Nick Saban. You name it. Pete Kwiatkowski is, coach defensive lineman Demarcus Lawrence you know I mean the guy he gets it but to me Alfred Collins monster okay okay I don't know if I would agree with it just yet I think that it might you know I said Juwan Mitchell I think it may be DeMarvian Overshaw and I would probably give the preseason nod to um just thinking about you know his production as the season wore on especially with him playing in a new position for the first time I thought he you know, we saw his upside a lot. I imagine that, you know, I know the linebacker position is a little bit of a question mark going into the 2021 season, even going into spring practice. But I do think that Texas has a solid option in DeMarvey and Overshawn. But I agree. I mean, I do think in a sense, Alfred Collins deserves to be probably one B maybe, you know, I mean, I think that um, it's kind of similar, honestly, like the reason why I kind of said the thing about Joseph Osai, it's, it's a little similar, you know, I, now Joseph Osai probably couldn't line up, you know, a defensive tackle, but he did line up at the defensive end. He could drop back in coverage, playing linebacker, all of that. So I think that you're probably, you may be onto something chip. You may be onto almost a, you know, a three headed monster in one player in Alfred Collins. And what is going to be key is going to be making sure that he's in a position to make a play. And I, I do think that there's enough solid coaching, coaching and coordinator experience on, you know, this Texas staff that I don't think that it should be a question. You know, I think a lot of people started questioning if Tom Herman was going to put players in position to, you know, make plays, if they were going to, you know, alter game plans, or is he just going to stick to, what he knows and not try to throw in any wrinkles and stuff. So I think that you, I think I personally probably have to shake the mentality of, well, we'll see how he like gets to play. And I think a lot of Texas fans probably feel that way just because it seemed like over and over again for the previous four seasons, you had to have ask those questions. You had to ask if the best players were on the field, you had to ask if they're getting enough playing time, if they're getting on offense, if they're getting carries, if, you know, I mean, it's, those were all fair questions to ask. And I, I think that, you know, this, I think Texas has a lot of talent right now on the roster. There's question marks, obviously they have a lot of talent on the roster, but they have a ton of talent on the coaching staff. I mean, 
let's let's not pretend like this is some like scrub staff or something like this. This is a solid coaching staff. So I whoever it is, I, I feel like there's enough benefit of the doubt in these coaches to whoever the preseason one is end up going to end up being. They're going to be put in a position to make plays. And that's the biggest thing, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, listen, you have to have guys that the other side of the ball, your opponent has to game plan for. Right. And Alfred Collins at six foot six, you know, 305 pounds and can move like we saw in the Alamo bowl where he's sniffed out the screen. He's being held. He's falling backwards, making the interception. This is a guy who gets it probably should have played more. Um, Taquan Graham's moving on to the NFL. And I think Texas is about to upgrade at that position. If they decide that that's where Alfred Collins is best at the three technique, I hope they move him around. I hope they make it hell on the offense to guess where 95 is because he's that good. And at 305 pounds, it was funny talking to Tim Crowder and the insider a week ago. Tim Crowder, who trained Alfred Collins while he was at, at, you know, a kid growing up in Bastrop, said, this is a guy who resembles Bruce Smith at the, at the defensive end position. Don't look at how much he weighs. Look at how he moves. Mm-hmm. If he moves like a defensive end at 305, then don't just say, oh, he's 305. We got to put him at defensive tackle. Right. How about? Keandre Coburn, Tavondre Sweat, and Alfred Collins on the same line with whoever. And we, we'll get to Marquez Bimage being in the transfer portal, which just sucks, honestly, uh, because I thought Marquez Bimage is a guy who would give this new defensive coaching staff a chance. He, you know, they puffed him up to 272, Tom Herman trying to get him ready, you know, to play the four eye and then Orlando gets fired and then he opts out of the 20 season. He doesn't even get to experience the, the Chris Ash experience. And then, you know, now he's like, okay, they're bringing in Ray Thornton from LSU. They're bringing in Ovio Gofu from Notre Dame. I guess I'm out. I, I wish he would just stay in battle because he's, I think he's a talented guy, but I, I, no one compares to Alfred Collins, in my opinion, on that defensive line and everything starts up front. So I know I'm beating a dead horse here now, but um, no. So I was going to actually say, Chip, I was going to be like, is this just like a, a fresh topic on your mind? Because you did talk to Tim Crowder in the insider and it was all about Alfred Collins for the most part. But I mean, you bring up valid points for sure. I mean, um, you know, I think nobody everybody knows that, you know, you win championships in the trenches on both sides of the ball. If you, there are very few people or few teams out there that have won championships without at least a solid offensive line or defensive line. Most of the times they have both. Um, that's what, you know, in college football in, in any level of football, you definitely need the, the talent up front to, you know, do with their jobs and whether it's on offense or defense. Um, but, you know, I think that I'm, I'm really eager to start, seeing this team in action. I hope that we're able to actually attend spring football practices. I mean, the state of Texas, as everybody knows, <laughs> is lifting restrictions on, um, you Don't know, have to wear a mask. all of that. Yeah. 
And I, I'm hoping that Texas will at least allow us, uh, if we have to wear masks, that's perfectly fine, but to be out and see, you know, these people in person um, in spring football practice, but we don't know that yet. So I'm, I'm fingers crossed, but I think that there's a lot of players on the team that you probably, if you're a Texas fan going into spring football, you should have a lot of excitement for it. And I do think that Alfred Collins is one of them. Um, Bijan Robinson, no doubt about it though. I mean, that kid is so good. He was so good in high school. I mean, that's where I think it was almost like so people, so many people were outraged and it was no knock against Keontae Ingram or Rashawn Johnson. It was just kind of like, this guy's a monster. And, you know, Stan Drayton has been known to find and develop really, really good running backs. And this was a guy, a five-star that came to Texas from Arizona, maybe give him a little bit more than 10 carries a game, you know? So I, I'm excited to see Bijan Robinson in a more um, expanded role on offense, along with, you know, Roshan Johnson, kind of the one-two punch in the running back. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, when you're talking about two sophomores as being your your war daddy on offense, your war daddy on defense, that's a good sign. And, um, you know, I keep hearing from sources connected to the coaching staff that, hey, we like this roster. We like this roster. Now, they need depth on the roster. Right. But they feel like they've got a good quarterback situation um, with Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. Bijan Robinson is as good as there is in college football. I'll say that right now. He averaged 8.2 yards per carry and set the Texas yards per carry in a season record at a school where Earl Campbell, Ricky Williams, Jamal Charles, you name it, Chris Gilbert, I don't care, name anybody. He's got the record for yards per carry, 8.2 yards per carry. That's That means something to me. Yeah. And and so so excited about that. And I trust Sarkeesian to build the offense around Bijan Robinson. Yeah. You know, and we're not going to rotate every other series because it's nice. And, you know, Rojo's done a nice job. He deserves to come in for a series. OK, great. He needs to come in here and there. But if Bijan Robinson is averaging eight yards a carry, I'm giving him 20 carries in a game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Roshan Johnson should come in to give Bijan Robinson a breather. Just like, I mean, it's like football 101, right? You play with the hot hand, give them a break at times and then let them get back on the field and play the backup. That is good. And, and Roshan Johnson, I mean, he is the definition Love Rojo. of selfless. Yeah. I mean, he's Love the him. most selfless player. I know leader, Roshan, mm-hmm, leader definitely the you know, one of the hardest playing guys on the team, even last year, he was a guy that the coaches had to watch and practice to make sure he wasn't going too hard. Just like Joseph Osai was that way too. There's only a handful of, of players that are like that, you know, that are kind of in practice pitch count type of thing, just to make sure they don't get injured or anything because they, they're so aggressive and so intense. But the other thing with Roshan Johnson, you know, he, he wants, he wanted to play quarterback. There's no doubt about it. And when, you know, they, Former coaching staff went to him asking him to help fill some depth at running back. He did so willingly. Um, but I still think that in the back of his mind, he did want to play quarterback. I actually had sources tell me that 
that was something that kind of weighed on him prior to last season about if he was going to maybe consider transferring um, or something like that because and get an opportunity to play quarterback elsewhere. Um, but he, you know, ended up sticking it out. I think Texas fans should probably be happy, not happy, but you know, the COVID <laughs> restrictions that hit last spring, I think that actually helped a lot of former or a lot of Texas players returning this year, not enter the transfer portal because of COVID and stuff. And I think Roshan Johnson, I think it's fair to say that he may have been in that group. Um, Jalen Green was definitely in that group. Uh, there's a number of guys from uh, last, you know, last year's roster prior to the season that were looking into that way, but with Roshan Johnson coming off the bench, that's not a bad thing. You know, I mean, that's, he's, there's nothing wrong. Like Texas fans should look at this running back room, in my opinion, Chip, and be like, we're good. You know, I mean, there's enough talent. There's enough depth. Then you throw in the mix that, you know, Jordan Whittington could always line up in the backfield too as another wrinkle. I think that, you know, this offense may be really exciting to watch, especially with Steve Sarkeesian, you know, calling plays and everything. Yeah. And that's what I'm excited about. Because mm-hmm. Sarkeesian does whatever it takes to get his best playmakers the ball. We saw that in the first half of the national championship game when everybody knew, oh my gosh, you have to account for Devontae Smith. You have to count for him. You can't let him, he can't beat us. He cannot beat us. Mm-hmm. And he got 12 receptions for 215 yards and three touchdowns in the first half <laughs> against Ohio State because he was. Cause Sarkeesian was doing crazy, you know, motions where he's like starting one direction, going back the other, you name it. He found ways to get him the ball. That's all that matters. And, and I'm excited to see it. I'm excited yeah. to see it. Um, Taylor, we've, we've got to get to uh, basketball and baseball before we get to love it or leave it in basketball. Um, wow. What a roller coaster. They, they lose the 19 point lead to West Virginia um, at home in a, in a game that everyone walked away going, what the bleep just happened. Then they're down 14 to Kansas at home. They come back and win that game and sweep Kansas for the first time ever for Texas. And then they uh, go up to Iowa state uh, or lose to Texas tech. Sorry. Lose at Texas tech in a game where it was tied at halftime and then they come out and completely go away from their inside game, go O of 11 to open the second half and it's over and out. And then they go to Iowa state and beat a team that has not won a single conference game. And now um, we're recording on Thursday, full disclosure, they're playing Oklahoma tonight. And this is a big game. This is a, a big game for Texas because they had to play OU in Austin when they only had eight available players, five of whom were coming off of COVID restrictions and they still almost came back and, and won the game. This would be an impressive win for me for Texas. If they could go to Oklahoma and win, because to me, they've lost a little bit of their, well, they've lost their identity, which was defense and, and, you know, Shaka's out of his player rotations. I don't know what he's doing anymore with his player rotations, but my God, no one, no one in the country has what Shaka Smart has with his team. Three veteran guards who can all get in the paint, can all score however they want to. No one has big men, athletic big men like Jericho Sims, Greg Brown, and Kai Jones. No one has all that. 
And then you throw in, you know, sixth man defensive dive for loose balls, Brock Cunningham. And there's no way that this team, and I get it, COVID restrictions, winter weather. Okay, now we're back to basketball. Mm-hmm. Now we're back to who are you? And I want to see Texas assert itself as a defensive monster here against Oklahoma and then, you know, TCU and then into the big 12 tournament, because this is going to be a wasted year, Taylor, if they finish middle of the pack and they don't do anything in the big 12 tournament or the NCAA tournament, this is as good as it gets for Shaka smart. This is the best team he's ever had. Now, outside of the team that he inherited from Anthony Grant and went to the final four with at VCU in 2011 and has not won an NCAA tournament game, not a game since 2013. Do you know what year it is? It's 2021. Eight years since Shaka Smart has won an NCAA tournament game. And I don't know what this guy's doing. Now, I get it. COVID restrictions. Oh, it's been, he had COVID. I had COVID. I mean, listen, it sucks, but no one cares. No one cares. You have Greg Brown, Jericho Sims. You have, you know, uh, Kai Jones. You got Andrew Jones. You got Courtney Ramey. You got Matt Coleman. And if you go flatline here in March, then they're going to have to fire the basketball coach too. And yeah. that's, that's all I got. Well, I was going to say, you know, it's, it's almost kind of one of the situations chip. I feel that is very similar to the conversations we were having leading up to the 2020 football season with Tom Herman. It was, this is the best team that Tom Herman has the most veteran team that he has. You know, he handpicked his coaching staff. He did all of that stuff. And there was no excuses for Texas to not, you know, compete for a Big 12 title. We said that. I said that, you know, until I was blue in the face all last offseason, even with COVID. It's still, I was like, this was a down year in the Big 12. It's kind of the same in basketball. How good's Kansas this year? How many times can we say, how good is Kansas basketball? Not very often. And have no point guard, Kansas. Yeah. And Texas has three. Right, exactly. And Shaka Smart has, you know, the most talented roster that he's had at his disposal, as you mentioned. Um, I think that's going to be a really big test too, Chip, because, you know, Oklahoma, I think they enter this game with what, a three-game losing streak. This is their, I believe, will be their fourth game in six days, maybe? I, I'm, maybe a week. Uh, yeah, they for play. Texas? No, for Oklahoma. Yeah. So there's, it's kind of a perfect situation for Texas, even though that, you know, they have to go on the road and play. I think it's almost like a perfect scenario for them to either put up or shut up. I think it's the way to look at it. I mean, you know, this is, this is a, a, it's almost not Texans will never feel bad for Oklahoma, but you know, it's kind of a situation, the way that the end of the season is playing out for a lot of teams because of the postponed games of from COVID and all of that. But, you know, Oklahoma lost to at Kansas state, um, on February 23rd, lost at Oklahoma State on February 27th, lost uh, or versus Oklahoma State, excuse me, lost at Oklahoma State on March 1st. So, you know, three game, this will be their fourth game in, I guess, a week and a half that Oklahoma will have, but they're on a three game losing streak. This is a prime time for Texas to go and secure, show again that they're able to get back to the basics. They're able 
to do what they were doing midseason prior to the COVID interruptions. And if they don't, I was just going to ask you, is Shaka done? Yeah. I mean, he's done. I mean, yeah. if he can't get something out of this team, because think about he loses Kai Jones. He loses Greg Brown. He loses Jericho Sims. He loses Matt Coleman. He loses everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, next year he's going to come back with Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey. Yeah. Okay. They're going to, that's a, that's a rebuilding year and he'll be middle of the pack as always. My God, if he's middle of the pack this year with this team, he's going to be middle of the pack or worse next year. Right. And Taylor, he has not won an NCAA tournament game in six, well, five years. And I get it. They didn't play the NCAA tournament. Okay, whatever. He almost didn't even make the tournament or was about to get fired last year. If he doesn't play Brock Cunningham, Royce Ham, and Kai Jones out of necessity to win four of his last five last year and save his bacon going into the pandemic. Shaka's fool's gold. I've been saying it for five years. I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt this year. Hope I'm wrong. Hope it all comes together, but this team's too up and down for me right now to believe that Shaka even knows what works for his team. He's right. even saying it. He's like, it's game to game. It's game to game. I'm like, what happened to your rotations where you're playing 10 guys mm-hmm. and you're beating Kansas by 25 in Lawrence. Right. He's like, Oh, well, you know, it's game to game. It's game to game. What are you talking about? Go back and look at what was working back then. And what, I mean, Go look at the film and yeah. see what was working and get that going again. Right. He hasn't done it. And it's, I don't know when he talks, it just sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher to me. So, you know, trying to, trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here, Taylor, but it's, uh, it's getting tough. Um, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, we've been talking about that a lot, Chip. We've been talking about when they kind of started going on the slit, like, okay, well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They were playing really well. But, you know, as we've said, like, it's almost hard not to be like, well, this is a shock of smart team. Of course they're going to collapse, you know, midway through <laughs> the season, or especially once they get to conference play. He's never won an NCAA tournament at Texas. And, you know, went to the NIT tournament, what, twice? Right, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And I won, mean, it. won it, won yeah. it once. That was great. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Especially when Texas got the graphic that said yeah. national champions. <laughs> like, uh. Texas Tech's in the final four, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, NIT champions. Let's do Chris that. Beard, by the way, Texas graduate. Um, but um, yeah. So, Shaka, I, I mean, the last thing you want is to have to buy him out. But hey, compared to Tom Herman, bargain. Yeah. That's just pocket change, apparently. Let's see. Let's see. See if these, if uh, Shaka can can get it together. Um, all right, Taylor. So good news before we get to love it or leave it. Texas baseball has won five of six since getting waxed by top ten competition and in, in their zero and three start up there in Arlington against uh, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. So, um, granted, the competition has not been the same. It's been BYU and you know, uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Texas State. Now they're going to go on the road this weekend to Houston and play a three-game series. And then next weekend, they get um, 14th-ranked South Carolina coming to town. 
the good news is that they're hitting the baseball with somewhat more consistency than we saw when they struck out 46 times in that own three start. So, I mean, hell, even Trey Faltini had a hit that uh, brought in a couple runs um, this week. So um, let's see, let's see if, if they can take their show on the road to Houston and, and, and be the, the ranked team, be the better team, bring it home, keep building that confidence. We're seeing some better pitching, although Pete Hansen looked like he got hurt in the Texas state game. That was not good. Uh, but Tanner Witt's been amazing as a freshman pitcher. And, and we got to see if Ty Madden can, can keep it going because he was really good against BYU and he was really bad uh, in the opener against uh, uh, Mississippi State. So let's see if, if Texas can keep putting it together. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we talked about this after the, um, I forget what the name is, but college baseball showdown, whatever it was called out yeah. in a globe life field. Arlington. Yeah. I mean, Texas played the number at the time, number six, seven and eight ranked teams in the country. And I know Texas, you know, is a, is a ranked team or was a ranked team going to ninth. Well, Texas yeah. Was ninth. Now they're 19th. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, but I think that, I mean, the, the teams that they played from the sec, those are all usually some really, really solid baseball programs. There was a lot of external factors, you know, the weather situation, they couldn't practice. School was shut down because of the ice and the snowstorm that hit Austin. So they kind of went in rusty, but I think you just have to keep giving, you know, that was what we said. Let's, let's not, let's tap the brakes, not say it's, you know, time to start, you know, shouting fire David Pierce from the bleachers at these games. It's let's see what they can do and turn around. Um, And this is going to be probably their first test. Something funny, Chip. I just... Sorry, I was trying not to laugh when you were talking because I went to the Texas baseball schedule and went to click on the like link to the Houston baseball page and it goes to Houston Community College. No. <laughs> like that's not How's the team they're playing. I don't know. That's why I was like giggling over here, like, oh. yeah, it goes to hccs.edu. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Media, yeah. <laughs> UT officials, fix that. <laughs> Man. All right. Well, you ready? Yeah. So Chip, we'll, uh, we'll definitely get to love it or leave it here in just a second where we're going to hit on um, a lot of more football talk. Plus, uh, you know, what's what Texas basketball is doing leading up to the NCAA tournament. We're going to take a really short break, but you definitely want to stick around because the fun continues after the break. Oh, yeah, baby. You want to do some love it or leave it? Let's go. Let's go. All righty, Chip. Love it or leave it. There is no one on offense other than Bijan Robinson even worth considering for preseason offensive MVP at Texas. Okay. Well, in terms of who's put it in the book, who's put it on tape, everyone's going to say, oh, yeah, love it, love it, love it. But I'm going to leave this and say, Casey Thompson, don't sleep on Casey Thompson. Everybody's sleeping on Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson's been told since he got to Texas, you're a loser. You're worse than Cam Rising. You're worse than Sam Ellinger. 
Now you're worse than Hudson Card. And all the guy does is grind. And if that guy can continue to put it together and learn this Steve Sarkeesian offense and deliver like he did in the Alamo Bowl, then we're going to be talking about Casey Thompson. Mm-hmm. And in addition to B. John Robinson, maybe even more so because Casey's going to be able to throw the football, throw it to B. John Robinson, probably a lot, but, you know, make plays, do whatever he's got to do to keep the offense moving. So I'm going to leave this, even though on paper, you would look at B. John Robinson and say, oh, yeah. Oh, he's the MVP. There's no doubt. He averaged 8.2 yards per carry last year, set the school record. But I'm going to leave this because I've been on an island with Casey Thompson. And I'm going to stay on the island because to me, that guy has shown through hard work that he can get it done. Hudson Card looks pretty. He looks really pretty. Sam Ellinger's talking this week. Oh, why doesn't my ball look like that when I throw it? Okay, whatever. But Casey Thompson, why doesn't anyone's ball look like what he was throwing in the Alamo Bowl and when he was going 12 to 17 last year? So, Taylor, I'm going to leave that. Okay. What about you? No, I'm going to love it. I think that Bijan Robinson has proven more, you know, been more consistently, um, uh, consistent, consistent, more consistently, yeah, consistently consistent. consistent. Exactly. Yeah. He's been more of a playmaker. Um, he, again, he did, he had more opportunity, but he still had limited opportunity, but you know, I think that I'm not trying to knock on Casey Thompson. Um, he really only showed it for the most part in the Alamo bowl. We were not able to watch, you know, fall camp last year. So we have yet to see what Hudson card looks like in a scenario where he actually is getting, you know, reps and not just getting the, you know, garbage time type of play with walk-ons on the field. So I think, you know, I think B. John Robinson's the clear, you know, runaway preseason offensive MVP. I'm not knocking Casey Thompson at all or Hudson Carter or anyone else. I just think I'm kind of more of the, I want to see a little bit more film, a little bit more of them, you know, in practice in game scenarios before I'm going to be pounding on the, you know, table being like, this guy should be a Heisman winner or something like that. You know, I, I think it's more, I'm going to look at what, what we have seen. There's a small sample size of Casey Thompson. And I think that you'll be able to see a lot more, you know, in the months coming, but I think I'm going to love this and stick with Bijan. I think he's the, the, the prime, true. the number one. Yeah, for sure. And I love Bijan Robinson. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. That guy's a pro. He's an NFL player and he's the next big thing uh, in terms of Texas running backs. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, Chip, my second one for you, I'm going to flip it around here. Love it or leave it, there is no one on defense other than Alfred Collins even worth considering for preseason defensive MVP. Okay, I'm, I'm loving this because Alfred Collins, to me, is a manimal. Mm-hmm. This guy is just six foot six of wrecking ball and a guy who loves football, loves to practice, loves to get his hands on people and throw them around. And I, I get it. DeMarvin Overshawn is a freak athlete and credit. Tom Herman told him you're going to be a great linebacker. Forget that safety stuff. Get out, get up here at linebacker where you can go sideline to sideline and 
rack up tackles and have more of an impact. And and Herman was right. But well, the staff also let me pause real quick. The staff leading up to the 2019 season tried to get him to make the move to linebackers. Todd Orlando and that defensive staff were really trying to push it. And, right. you know, De- DeMarvin Overshawn wanted nothing said to no. do it. Said no, absolutely not. And then didn't get much playing time at all in 2019. Chris Ash comes in and he finally gives it a chance. So sorry, go up, finish right. your no, statement. That's right. But no one has the physical tools of Alfred Collins. And he's a guy who just, just destroys offenses. So I'm going to love this. Alfred Collins. Just put him in position to make plays, as my man Tim Crowder said. Just don't get in the way. Just tell him, go. Just yeah. go. And just sit back and watch the watch the the reeking of havoc unfold. Alfred Collins. <laughs> Love it. Taylor? I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it. I think oh! I think there's a lot God. of other players. <laughs> That, I think you're that, just trying to be contrarian. No, I think there's definitely other players that are worth considering uh, for preseason defensive MVP. You know, I'd mentioned DeMarvian Overshawn is one of those. I'd say he's above, you know, Juwan Mitchell. Um, another one, too. I think Josh Thompson gets the chance, you know, kind of should be in there. I would say it'd probably be, um, you know, DeMarvian Overshawn probably a little bit ahead of Josh Thompson. But I think that there's a lot of talent on this defense, even though there are places that Texas needs to fill some holes because of either transfer or, um, you know, graduating, moving on to the NFL, whatever it may be. I do think that there, there is a lot of sheer talent on this. And I think I would probably go DeMarvian over Sean, Josh Thompson, and then Alfred Collins. That would probably be my ranking of it. Where's my man Deshaun Jameson. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. The little scrapper scrappy do. All I mean, from an overall, an overall talent standpoint, if we're talking about the, you know, all-purpose preseason MVP, it, it probably would be more so, you know, that's a good point. It could be um, Deshaun Jameson just because he's lethal. You know, if he's returning kicks and stuff, he played, you know, on offense his first year, then switched back to defense, makes plays, you know. I mean, that, that's the thing. It, it just goes to show there's a lot – there is a lot of talent on here. So I don't know. I wouldn't give – the preseason nod to a player that has started one game. When you look at just the overall depth chart, I could be approaching it the wrong way though. I'm always more of a show me, don't tell me type of person. I've been that way ever since I was younger. You know, I mean, not even just in my career, my personal life. It's like, you can tell me all these things that you want, but if you're not showing me it, I'm not going to believe you, you know? So I kind of take that approach for it. So. Okay. All right. All right. Think with my man, Alfred Collins on that one. (laughs) Do it. We got one more. Yeah, we got one more here. Um, All right. This is my final one for you, Chip. Love it or leave it. The Longhorns will get out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Uh, I mean, if they don't, Taylor, then I will. I'll drive the moving truck to Shaka's house. Because what an embarrassment. Mm -hmm. What an absolute embarrassment. I mean. They fired Rick Barnes for this for six years of no, none, zero, nada, zippo, NCAA tournament wins. Come on, Shaka. Yeah. You got a loaded team. 
Joe Lenardi says you're still a four seed in the NCAA tournament and you're up and down like a roller coaster and it's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. If, if they don't get out of the first weekend of the tournament, I'll drive the moving truck to Shaka's house. Okay. So do you love it or leave it then? Do you think it's I mean, right that? now I'm going, I'm going to, are we saying we love that they will not get out of the NCAA first weekend of the NCAA tournament? No, love it or leave it. The Longhorns will get out of the first. I'm week. ready to leave this right now. Mm-hmm. I don't trust Shaka anymore. I don't. Yeah. yeah. So that's sad because a month ago we were like, oh, no, benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt. Too talented, too good a defensive team. He's got three shot blockers. He's got three veteran guards. He's got junkyard dogs coming in off the bench and Brock Cunningham, Royce Ham, blah, blah, blah. No. I don't trust this guy with his player rotations. I don't think he knows what works and what doesn't. And he's just got such a talented team that they're, you know, they might just pull something off. But right now, I don't trust this team to get out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Yeah. You? I'm going to leave it too. Um, I want to go back because I know that I asked this question probably a month or so ago too. And I, I don't remember what our answers were. I think I may have said the first game or the first weekend. And I think I may have ended up being like, okay, I think they'll win one game, but I'll give them benefit of the doubt for the first weekend. I I don't know if they're going to win one game, honestly. I mean, this is, I think Shaka's nine lives, maybe Shaka the cat's nine lives may be coming to an end here because it's just, it's just kind of one of those fool me once shame on, you know, you fool me what six times when your team, you know what his record is. (laughs) <laughs> against Chris Beard in their last eight games. What is Chris it? Chris Beard, UT grad, Texas Tech basketball coach, one in seven. This is like TCU football. Yeah. You don't want Chris Beard for the head coach, right? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> you know, he makes $4 million at Texas Tech, and you still got to go. You got to go get him. Mm-hmm. You're going to have yeah. to pay him. Yeah. He's going to make as much as Steve Sarkeesian. How about that? But you're opening that new Moody Center. Got to have something to show for it. You imagine basketball coach and that. football coach. That has never happened, Taylor. The football, yeah. the basketball coach has never made in the same zip code as what football makes. But if they go get Chris Beard, they're going to be neck and neck. Yeah. Well, te- Texas is not the funding for the Moody Center is um, external funding for the most That's right. part, right? Yeah. Right. So it's a, it's a it's the Moody Foundation giving one hundred and thirty million for naming rights for that, and then you have the the uh, Live Oak um, third party money, mm-hmm. which is three hundred eighty eight million. Um, so it's it's Texas basketball has some some funds that they probably can put towards a new coach if. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Shaka. Come on, Shaka. Prove me wrong. That's the thing is like Shaka is such a, like, I feel like he is a guy that you would want to be the leader of young men. I mean, he's a good guy. And I think that's why everyone almost wants to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, Joe Lenardi wants to give him the fourth, you know, four seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. So I think that he's really just as a person, very well-respected. Um, just by the way he's carried himself and 
his entire coaching career, but you know, I mean, you know, nice guys finish last for a reason, I guess you're not even going to win. Like Facts. That. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, great stuff. Thanks everybody for, uh, for being a part of this one. And, uh, and for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time here on the Flagship Podcast, stay safe and keep the faith.